Hello, this is William Easton, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond, one hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week. Good morning, Richmond. What a beautiful day it is in downtown Richmond at 308 Broad Street, the studios of WLE News Talk 990. This is Richmond Biz Live, a business talk show focused on growing your existing business. The older, the better. And the reason for that is... Richmond, like a lot of communities in the United States, does an excellent job of helping startups with incubators, with loan programs, using SCORE, etc. We're here to address what happens if you've been in business 5 or 10 years, maybe 20 years. What do you do if you're in your mid-50s and you're thinking about checking out? Well, if you are and you've looked around, there's nobody out there for you but us. So the word I would use for this program is finally. If you're a business owner and you've said, finally, it's time for me to get paid back for all the blood, sweat, and tears and all the sacrifice that I put in to grow this company and make it viable, you're in the right spot. And uh, what I'd like to do is introduce today's team. Today, we've got Billy Flynn, producer, on the panel. Good morning, Billy. How you doing? Good morning, sir. Doing quite well. How are you? I am doing great. In the studio with me is Linda Heath, who's going to be talking about financials. Good from morning. Financial Holographics, and we have Mike Carroll from uh, Mark uh, from um, Focus Business. Excuse me, I am going fast. My mouth is going faster than my brain. Uh, from Focus Business, part of the Sandler Training. Mike's going to be talking about marketing and sales. And then finally, I've got the uh, the fun subject area of service that I'm going to close the day out with. So here's our motto for today: Fix it, grow it, and then you either sell it or reinvent it. And Join us on our journey, and that's certainly your journey, of growing Richmond's business uh, one company at a time. You want to do that? You can do it a couple ways. One is you can join us online at richmondbizlive.com, and on there you can see listen to us, watch us. And if you hit the watch us, you're on now on the video cam. Uh, if you're going to listen to us, you can do it over the web. You can dial up 990 AM, which is where you are right now, or you can call in at 844-249-5483. I'll say that again. It's 844-249-5483 or 844-BIZ-LIVE. Okay, what do we got going on here? Well, first of all, our, our theme is every segment, every topic is delivered by both a thought leader, a subject matter expert, and a business owner. So what you're going to hear now is not theory, not something you picked up in college, though. I'm not putting that down. I'm simply telling you is that all of us are practitioners. We have active accounts. We have our own businesses. And what we're going to talk about are the things that work. And we're going to be here for you every Saturday morning at 10.06 on W... Uh, on uh, w- w- <laughs> Oh, man. Going L-E-E. too fast. WLEE News Talk 990. Okay. Um, I got all hyped up about today because we're we're about to start our second season. I did a little overview last week, and now today what we're doing is we're talking about three major challenges to your business. One is, as you grow it, what are the financial challenges of growth? What does growth do to the company? Number two is that I actually see a well-run, well-trained sales force as a huge competitive advantage to your company. And then finally, is it possible to give excellent service with great margins? And so, as you recall, the, 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 
the, the stimulus of this program has been answering the question, uh, am I on plan, which has to do with are we selling the way we're supposed to be selling and closing business? Am, are we on schedule? Am I delivering what I'm supposed to be delivering? Are we on budget, which is how are we doing uh, financially, especially when I take a look at the management of cash flow? And then finally, how are we doing with cases? And that is how are we doing with the customer? And this radio show is predicated on those four issues, and that's the changes that we articulated um, last week. And as as I talk about this, this view this as a radio TED, and most most of you that are familiar with the TED conferences, this is just radio TED. And why is it critical is going to be the first area. Number two is what's the benefit to you, and then finally we're going to close with how to get it done. So with that, our first segment today is Linda Heath from Financial Holographics, and Linda's going to be talking about the challenges of financial challenges of fast growth. Bill, good morning. Thank you for having me back. I'm just loving being part of this. I've, I couldn't do this show without you. Oh, well, you're a blessing. Um, you know, I just, I love the team that you've pulled together, and I love the fact that we're focused on real answers for real business problems. It's not the theory piece of it. And, um, you know, I've been trying to get my head wrapped around what are we trying to do, and I've decided we're the online, we're an online business leadership school. Wow, that's cool. Right. So uh, what we're trying to do is inspire our audience to stop being the center of the universe in their business, meaning they have to do it all, they have to answer it all, um, and so forth, and really begin to take ownership of implementing business best practices in their companies and hold, building well-performing teams and holding everybody accountable to building and following systems and procedures so that the owner and the employees can really have a great life out of working in their company. Right. In fact, you know what? Work could actually be fun. It should be, Business or you shouldn't do it. Business I can tell you a joke like my Monopoly. father had, but I can't say it on the air yeah. about it should be fun or you shouldn't be doing it. That, that, that is the truth. Which brings us to two-way communication, and I have a pop quiz for you. Do you know that men and women communicate differently? Uh, I have learned that painfully. <laughs> well, in my house, we have Linda, who was born with excess words at her disposal, mm-hmm. and then we have the strong, silent type. Yes. So I'll launch into some subject very important to me and maybe intersperse some questions in there and so forth and then I get to the end and I get the blank stare well that happened recently you know usually I can kind of cover cover for Herb but that happened recently and the question I was asking was okay you want to go somewhere for a quick dinner where did you have in mind and I got the blank stare and I was tired I was hungry that just was not working for me anyway Herb that requires a real response from you so after a short pause he said would clicks and grunts do and I went, sure, whatever, whatever. And so I get, <coughs> and we now have a family joke of grunts and clicks. clicks. Yeah, but he's expanded his response options broadly. Okay, well, he's broadened his vocabulary. He's out to four or five words, huh? So here's the deal. I want our audience to jump in the game with us. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you've told us that between the um, the website and Facebook, we're getting 6,000 views for this show. So we are just all excited about the expansion. And so I'm telling, I'm laying down a challenge to our audience. More grunts and clicks, people. That's right. That's right. And call in because... Send us questions. Well, you know, I would love... Send us questions so we can prepare Uh answers. Send us your war stories, your case studies. Let us know what's going on in your world. So, Bill, I noticed in our internal programming notes, you actually said um, that fast growth destroys capital and i thought that was really harsh do you i mean what what were you when, when, when i looked when we did the started the research in 2002 now i can't believe it's 12 years ago Gosh, and i was in vegas which is oh a my. whole story unto itself but when we looked at business failures the the first two failures of business in the earlier stages is called cash starvation in other words mm-hmm. you start you open the doors you start selling 
sales is insufficient to pay for the business. Right. Sometimes you got too much expense, you got good sales, but the expenses are too high. Other times you're on a bootstrap and you got no sales. So cash mm-hmm. starvation. The next thing that comes about is that you're lucky enough to really hit it at the right time and a company begins to grow. And then what happens is you destroy the working capital because it takes money to grow the business and then you invest in those items. And let's just say that you got a 30-day sales cycle, you've got a 30-day manufacturing cycle, Mm -hmm. you got a 30-day accounts receivable cycle. Do you have 90 days of cash in the cigar box or do you have a line of credit that's going to cover for it? And what you find is on the books... Mm -hmm. The companies are profitable, but you look in the cigar box and they're broke. Right. Moths. Right. Moths in the cigar box. There's little IOUs. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Big IOUs. And that's, um, okay, well, you were getting where I was thinking, um, and I know in doing SBA underwriting, loan underwriting, um, somebody was going to start a business. That's about the only way you can get startup financing is if the bank gets an SBA guarantee. And um, the th- they never had a plan for staying in business. And that's what you alluded to in your introduction, that everybody's out there talking about, oh, how can we help you start your business? How can we get you started? And you're right. Other than us, nobody's out there saying, well, let's help you stay in business. That's actually more valuable to the economy because you already have Mm -hmm. some customer base. You have some operations base. You have employees, people with jobs. And you've talked about, think about all the people you're saving when you save a company. It's not just the employee. It's all the people dependent on that income. Yes. So the way, I, the, the way I was leaning is certainly I want to make clear that um, growth consumes cash before it throws it off. And I, and I think the misperception is that growth will create cash for me. Right. And I can tell you that all the research related to this topic is that if you are in trouble financially, bring your costs down to where your current level of sales is profitable before mm-hmm. you increase sales. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is that money that's coming in, if you don't do that, is so burdened that there is really right. no money in there. Right. That's going out faster than it's coming in. Right. Sounds counterintuitive, but it's true. It, and, that's, and that's the challenge for people. It is counterintuitive. And your banks know that. Um, and you sort of touched on some points I was going to make that you really do. When you get ready to go into a period of growth, you have to spend money and make investments to support what's coming. Um, and then you do have that waiting time in a lot of industries. And I was thinking about Mike Carroll and what he's talked about sales and he's talked about targeting your customers and understanding which are the best customers for you. And a lot of times, I mean, landscaping industry would be a good example. Yeah. You've got um, retail, you've got uh, your residential lawn care, but you've also got the commercial, the big property managers. They're going to be the most profitable for you and keep you going. But guess what? They're the ones who want terms. So you're right. going to have to have the money to support going into those other segments. Absolutely. Because they are not going to help you with that. Um, And I think in their gut, maybe people know this, but what we want to say and what we want to come out of this session today and setting the tone for the season is if you're planning big growth, then you need to have a financial plan that's part of that right alongside your sales plan. Absolutely. In fact, if you're planning big growth, if if that's what your future is right Mm -hmm. now, go back and listen to the first 12 shows (laughs) of season one because they're all predicated on building the business so that you can have that hockey stick growth in sales. That's right. Otherwise, you're going to kill yourself. That's right. So, um, you know, I was trying to to help people visualize why is it like this? And the thing that came to mind was the Rube Goldberg device where (laughs) the little boot, you start it with, the little boot kicks the marble and the marble does this. I I mean, have you? Oh, yeah. No, I'm old enough to remember Rube. If Rube was alive, (laughs) 
I, I never kid. met Rube. You oh, mean it really was wasn't on, Rube? I grew up in New York. He was okay. on TV. A real, yeah. real guy? I didn't know Soupy that. Sales, Rube Goldberg, come on. But those amazing machines. Yeah. You know, there's a commercial now. I think it's Panera's that they actually use one for our mm-hmm. audience who doesn't know what we're talking about, where it starts and the ball keeps traveling and mm-hmm. goes to, and all these other things happen. And that's really what I, I mean, I think you should go into business to print money. It's the only legal way if you're not the U.S. Treasury to print money. But it's a Rube Goldberg device, so there's not a clear line of sight, right. sales in, cash Got out. Absolutely. And so you have to be, and that's yeah. what this whole best practices and this whole concept is about. Um, but anyway, what happens is if you go about it the wrong way, this growth, you actually start making your bank, your company less bankable. Maybe you've had a line of credit in the past. Maybe you've had some financing for equipment. But if you get it out of whack, you make your company less bad, bankable right when you need them the most. And um, it creates a lot of stress and hard feelings between banks and their borrowers because they're subjected to regulators looking over their shoulder at the risk inherent in every deal they're doing now. And that's one of the huge differences between today and 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dodd-Frank being just one of those um, pieces of legislation is that it is, it is increasingly difficult for bankers to support your business. You think that they're being difficult. They are so right. constrained now what they can do and what they can't do. I would say it's so difficult for them to support poorly run businesses. Well, it's impossible. That's the catch. Well, yeah. right. But but before, they, when, you know, running up to the crash, mm-hmm. they were lending money to anybody who could, you know, fog a mirror. Right. And if you had a relationship with them and they knew you and there was an integrity issue, they would trust you right. and they'd go out on a limb for you if you had that relationship. That's not an option. That's not option for them. And I kind of wish they hadn't done that because I, in underwriting um, in these last four years, I have uh, underwritten some pretty sad situations. And it affects people, too. It's not just Mm -hmm. the business. So I went back into my archives. In 2009, I wrote an article for the Chamber of Commerce about access to capital. And um, I subtitled it, How Liquidity and Capital Are Different and Why Entrepreneurs Need to Know. So I'm going to give you some bullet points today. The first takeaway is they're both measured in money, but they are different. They come from different sources, and they serve different purposes in your business. Okay. Now, liquidity is um, vital. It's required for just day-to-day survival, and that's Mm -hmm. the cash. You're talking about the cigar box or the cash balances of your bank. You cannot run ragged without cash in the bank. And one of the... um, Uh, ratios that I'll crunch when I'm analyzing a company is I will take the dollars of cash on the balance sheet and divide it by the, and this would be at the end of the year, and divide it by the total operating expenses for the year to see how many days of operations do you actually have in cash. And you'd be amazed. You've got these huge companies running, and they they have three days of operating expenses in cash. That's crazy. Let me highlight that for a second, uh, Linda. As you know, I'm working as vice president of a manufacturing firm in Southwest Virginia. And one of the things I did with them is I did exactly that ratio. And it came right. out to, it's almost $10,000 a day. And so... Expenses? Expenses. Right. run the business, keep the doors open. So what the significance is, if you can take out one day out of sales, it's ten grand you save them. Right. One day out of production, it's ten grand. One day out of accounts Receive, receivable. Right. And the whole concept is we got to get people thinking about... What does it cost to keep the doors open today? Well, but then, so what you're telling me is I need to multiply that by a minimum of 15 days. That company needs $150,000 in the bank at all times just to have two weeks worth of overhead able to be paid in case that big customer goes, oops. 
So let me L- Linda, let me say trust a couple me, more I things. I wish it was that small. I know, I know. <laughs> well, I know. I'm just saying minimum. Okay. That's not. I'm not going to okay, say how big so, it is. <clears throat> so anyway, let me get. We've got three minutes, so let me get to a couple of other points that I, I want to leave our audience with. Um, so fast, fast growth may be a strategic way to grow your customer base and try to get ahead of your competition. Um, but if you have barely had enough liquidity and capital for where you've been, mm-hmm. then you you need to understand you don't have enough <clears throat> for where you're heading. And so one of the things you need to do is figure out your sustainable growth rate. Um, that's mm-hmm. something just, just they can reach out to me through the website if they want to understand right. that. But sustainable growth rate is a formula. It is a calculation. Your bank may be doing it. If you're actually growing faster than that, you're going to need more money and you may not be bankable. Right. And, um, it, you know, once you do that, if it's too low for your taste, you think too low, then you've got to make sure that you've got a financing plan and a stabilization plan in addition right. to a sales plan. So let me give you some pointers on liquidity. Uh, a liquidity measures are a probability that the cash will have enough cash in the 12 months to pay the expenses and obligations that are coming due in 12 months. Probability reminds us all that business is uncertain. Mm-hmm. It's contact sport. It's uncertain. It's risky. There aren't any guarantees that it's going to happen the way they think. Um, it's guesstimated when you look at your cash, your receivables, your inventory, and um, balance it out against the payables available to you. But you don't want to work your suppliers too hard. If your bank sees you doing that, they'll cut you off because they, if they, as soon as a vendor cuts you off, that may be the end of the game for you. Yes. Um, and then looking at lines of credit and credit cards and owner resources. Um, if you're not willing to take out of your personal savings that you've accumulated and put into the company, then don't stretch that company farther than it can stand on its own two feet. If um, you're using credit cards, then you're probably in the weeds already and you need right. to think, rethink. Right. Um, so capital comes from owner cash injections or outsider investment. Every Those two groups are looking for upside potential on the long term. Um, it can also come from loans and leases that have a longer-term payment. And that's mm-hmm. why your bank will take a frozen line of credit and term out part of it. That's a red flag to you. You and your bank are not on the same page, and you probably need to get somebody to give you an objective look mm-hmm. of what your bank is saying behind your back. Um, properly used capital will um, support assets. And um, if you have to acquire assets, I think when you're going to a period of rapid growth, you ought to figure out how can you get use of assets without having to buy them right. or own them or create more debt and overhead. Right. And then um, capital will stabilize your cash flow against the probability of liquidity being insufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what I would say. Do not substitute a weak business concept, or capital doesn't take place of or survive a weak business concept. So if, right. you have, if you're you know, in the weeds on that, having capital, won't, it, you'll just run through it. Inadequate sales. Uncompetitive operations, poor management. Capital cannot make up for that. Okay. And we're at the end of our time. I've got some solutions, but I'm going to put these as bullet points on the website. Another minute? Come on. No? Yeah. 25 is it? No, we got another minute. (laughs) Go ahead. Do your solutions. No, I really do want to put them on the website because I want people to go and I want people then to ask questions and push back. Okay. All right. Um, So what you're saying is that when I compute the liquidity versus uh, capital, that I'm I'm using the same money but I'm computing it differently, so I get two sets of numbers, correct? You do. You do. Right. And um, you'll always find out you need more money than you have. Always. So you need it. Right. Always. That is always Stop being naive. Stop being optimistic. <laughs> Don't listen to your sales manager who <laughs> yeah. says, oh, we're closing so that contract this... next week. He's been telling you that for 90 days. Yeah, stop being an entrepreneur. Oh, there <laughs> you stop go. Stop being optimistic. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Linda. And what we're doing is we're going to feature a new section on the website, um, which you will see on Monday. 
And right now we're calling it Nuggets. Okay. We may give it a different name when we get there. Who knows? But the Nuggets are what are the things that you can employ immediately from this presentation? I think we should call it the Magic Wand. The Magic Wand? <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll come up with something ingenious there. So look for Linda's um, bullet points. She's got three, seven. She's got seven mm-hmm. bullet points, solutions to deal with the, the issue of the financial challenges of fast growth. And, of course, practical. we are Some practical, practical things they can start doing. And, of course, we're going to be talking about this for, a for long time. a long time like this entire season. So yeah. thanks, Linda. Thanks Thank for being so in much, the studio. Bill. And we'll be back. Hello, I'm Linda Heath, President of Financial Holographics and your Chief Business Analyst. Our accounting and finance experts solve business mysteries for CEOs. 80% of private companies are struggling. Only 5% have it made. Where are you? Join me Saturday mornings at Richmond Biz Live for live answers to your nagging questions. Sponsored by Financial Holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need. Hi, Mike Carroll of Sandler Training here in Richmond. Do you know the three most commonly made sales mistakes? Are you or your salespeople at fault? Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your free report, the three biggest sales mistakes you should never make. In this report, discover these unproductive sales strategies and what to do about them. Finally, take the pressure out of selling and reach your desired sales result. Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your copy now. And we are back. This is Richmond Biz Live. You can go to our website, richmondbizlive.com, or you can call in and join the show uh, by dialing up 844-249-5483. That's 844.bizlive. In our second segment, we've got Mike Carroll back from Focus Business, part of the Sandler Training Group. And, Mike, good seeing you again, man. Good to see you, Bill. We're starting season two, and uh, last season, Mike was talking about how do you kind of build – your sales force, your sales processes, how do you get ready for season two, which is what we're going to talk about because now what becomes critical, what's going to make the difference on your ability to grow the company is going to be marketing and sales. So, Mike, you got a core place in the business today. Yeah, I think each, uh, each show the challenges get a little bigger, but now as we go to segment two, the challenges are a huge because everything we covered over the last seven shows um, are all are essential to getting us where we are now. That's right, and that's I mean we're talking about long term relationships, which is critical, uh, and we are also today talking about Salesforce. Are we the leading? Do we have competitive right. advantage in the market? Right, and and one of the things I want people to consider is this. Because a lot of times we joke about salespeople because of the stereotype of the used car salesman with the uh, goodwill clothes, you know, kind of the stereotype. Let me tell you is that a professional sales force is a competitive advantage to a company. And at this stage of the conversation, it is the competitive advantage of the company. Yes. Uh, No doubt with, I mean, I think the recession showed us, uh, taught us a lot of great lessons. Mm -hmm. And along with all the technology and the software capabilities that are out there is that I think that uh, the sales function has to be uh, as rigid, as scientific as your accounting systems, your inventory, the things that Andy talked about. I was going to say, it's like Andy designed. Exactly. 
and and that's there. I mean, it's it. The time is now that uh, just what you said. Your salespeople uh, typically are going to be in lots of businesses. They're going to be the differentiator. So when you go back and look at the things that we've talked about uh, and talking about how do we build sustainability for a business, long-term sustainability, Mm -hmm. you know, the first show we talked about executive involvement. You know, company, it's shown, the data shows, you gave me the data, that that, um, companies that the executives involved in the sales function uh, have a much higher probability of long-term success. And when I say that, I mean, it's about... They need to be involved in setting the strategies, the sales strategies, the marketing mm-hmm. strategies, you know, not only the strategies, but they've got to be involved in what kind of structure do we want around that? You know, right. we talk about structure. I mean, and that's yeah. so when you look at that, um, you've got to make we got to make sure we've got all those variables in place to get us out of season one to season right. two to make it run. In fact, Mike, now that you're you're reviewing that, what strikes me as a thought I've never had before until just now is that if you were a new entrepreneur, even though the show is dedicated to other groups, if you're a new entrepreneur listening to the show, the one training course you should take is sales training. Yeah. Well, well, and when you talk about structure, yeah. If and you know this from all the CRMs out there, and the billions of dollars have spent on CRMs that weren't successful, and most data shows that it's because they did not have a design, a defined sales process under their that, under that, the CRM. That's right. So, so when you talk about it, that's one of the things I shared my little triangle last yeah. time. We call it the constant sales improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts with what are the strategies which determine okay what activities do we want our salespeople involved in? Uh, you know what behaviors should they be doing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? Uh, and what techniques are we are we executing with the right techniques? And then we went from, you know, from the strategies. Okay, this is how we're going to go, and do we have the structure in place mm-hmm. to get that done? A good sales process, right? You know, another one of the one of the areas that I see that oftentimes are neglected and there's deficiency is around the sales management piece, right? You know, what is the structure that you have around the sales management? piece of your sales function in other words do you have sales managers do you have a good recruiting and hiring system but beyond that i mean you you probably already got good people but now do you have a system that the sales manager uh has a a a pre-call strategy process you know a Mm post-call debrief process right you know do we have a training process where sales managers are playing Role play. I don't like the word role play. Everybody doesn't like that. But we're at a time now where you have to practice. You know what's what you're gonna how you're gonna come out. I'm not a scripted type. I don't like the script piece. Right. But we got to know how we're gonna address certain well, things. The choice is we get to practice in the office with our people, or we get to practice on a prospective account that we're trying to close. Exactly. Um, I, I think I'll go for the first one. Exactly. And see, that's one of the things we work very hard on in our training. And we do a lot of public training. We have a mix of companies. And, you know, what everybody starts to realize, oh, my business is totally different. That, that Well, they start to realize that it is, you mm-hmm. know, it really is a, a scenario. Uh, but, the, you know, the other thing we talked about in show one, there's a sales model. Okay? Yeah. The sales model we talked, do we, you know, as we get our strategies in place, 
what is our sales model going to look like? You know, when I say that, we talked about is it a um, is it a, a consultative type, right? Consultative type. Uh, is it uh, account? Is it transactional? Right. Just order taking. Right. Is it all relational, like the old days where we just play golf together, or is it something new? Kind of more of a partnering relationship where I'm selling you, you're selling me. And so there are lots of ranges. That, there seems to be at least four possibilities there. Yeah. And that's you know? so we need to understand that. And, right. and lots of times it's a combination. I mean, again, you know, are we going to have an outside sales force where we know we need to be face to face? Are we going to have an inside sales force, you know, that maybe goes to certain segments? Uh, you know, are we going to do it over the internet? Are we going to do it retail? So all these things really come into play. Uh, and then, of course, we got to know what our sweet spot is. Yeah. We talked about sweet spot. So, and when we talk to now as we move into segment two, it's to, to determine long-term relationships and stay ahead of the market from a sales competition standpoint, a competitive standpoint. I mean, we've got to know, be constantly studying our sweet spot right. customers. Who's the best fit? And you remember we we talked about that, and then you flip in the next show. We talked about market trends. That's right. Well, because at least half of your market intel should be coming from the sales force. Because what is their job as they engage the customer on some regular, regularly scheduled basis? Is they're collecting information about how the customer is doing. Exactly. Well, if we're doing outside research, suddenly two things are happening. One is inside we become market experts for this particular niche that we're looking at. But number two. What great news to deliver to customers? As you and I talked about it, imagine if every time a, a salesperson call, makes a call on somebody, the uh, the owner of the business or whoever they're calling on learns something new about their industry and their challenges. Exactly. I'll guarantee you, if you do that, they will take every sales call. Yeah. Well, and and we talked about that. I mean, one of the things that we talked about in that, I think, in that same. Well, no, we came back and looked yeah. at the profitability. Do we know the profitability? that we're bringing to our customers, right. okay? Do we know the profitability? And that's what you're saying. You know, I believe that, and we said this in one of the shows, that we should all, we should be continually trying to determine what a customer's needs are going to be before they even know it. Right. That's a challenge, but that's a great challenge. And I think you, and it may not be about the product or the particular service. It may be, you know, how they're ordering it. I mean, can you streamline it, their ordering or their procurement process? Can mm-hmm. you assist them with how you deliver it to them? Can you help them and maybe how they're using it? Yep. That's how we separate ourselves. That abs- that's absolutely true because you think about it, if you can become that type of trusted advisor, they're going to want to do business with you. Yeah, you took my term, trusted oh, advisor. Oh, could I? I'm well, that's sorry. good. That's, that's exactly because I, that's what you want to be striving for. I think there's the things that need to be in uh, your sales team's vocabulary. Hey, right. are you a trusted advisor? Do we know what we're bringing to that customer? Uh, you know, we talked about product mix and how we can go to our sweet spots, customers, and all of a sudden look at, hey, we can expand our product mix, which now gives us the ability to maybe go to other markets, to right. other verticals, other types of industries. That's right. So, I mean, all of these things really do come together. Um, you know, we also talked about selling to the right people. Mm-hmm. In other words, understanding who the decision makers are within your sweet spot, sweet spot type customers. Right. So understanding 
But again, it goes back. What's the persona of the customer? Which is a tricky deal, Bill, because if market trends change, all of a sudden the customer's persona may change. That's right. They want to order it a different way. You know, they want to receive it a different way. They want to pay for it a different way. That all That's what you say. Salespeople today, you know, hey, with, there's always a talk about sales as an art. I think you really have to take a scientific approach now. Right. I think you agree with that. And, and, and I think that, that the most talented people in the organization have to be in sales. No, or, or another way of saying it is that you, you, you have to hire talent to be successful in the sales world. Right. No, and that's one of the things that when we, when we talk about my little triangle, we talk about strategy, we talk about structure, and we talk about staff. Mm-hmm. you got to be hiring the right people. Right. And then as market trends change, huge challenge. I have, a, I have a client right now that they're actually changing their strategy to the market, mm-hmm. calling on where they've been primarily sales model, right, primarily account management. Now they're going to go into more market development. Whole different set of behaviors. That's right. Now, the idea is... is you know, we're going to train to get them up to speed, but you know what we say, you know, you can you can take a tight end, he can catch the football, but he probably isn't going to stretch the field, so you got to get some speed out there, right? That's right. That's right. Well, when you get into sales, and look, I mean, it, I think anybody with, you know, certain set of skills, certain set of attitudes uh, can really learn to be good sales professionals. But they got to want to do that. Absolutely. And, and, and really, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this several times, but the whole deal on that is is that it, it, you're, you're providing a service to, to the customer because you're not trying to sell something to somebody who doesn't need what you're selling. In other words, they have got the need, and you have the solution. And so now what it's about is I am, I'm providing a service to them. And that's been part of the problem I think we have in sales when people go, well, I don't like sales. I want to be in sales. Because they think we're up to something. Right. If I'm trying to sell you something you don't need, yeah, I am up to something. But that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about why would I go to somebody that doesn't need what I want? How hard is that sale? I'm going to find people who need what I have. And that's what that's really what this is about. And that's exactly what it's about. And that's where it's going quickly. That The sales professional has to truly understand how his products or services, her products or services are being used and be creative with, with the right kinds of questions you know, the right types of testimonials so that, that that prospect or that customer says, wow, you know what, we need to be looking at that. Th- right. These people know what they're talking about. A couple terms I wanted to throw out. I know we're running down uh, time-wise. Uh, it, there's a co- And I don't know if you've seen these, but sales enablement is one of the terms that's out there. A lot of nebulous stuff going on around that. But it's something that, that Sandler, our CEO, Dave Matson, has been on this. Uh, because we've we have a lot of really good programs. I happen to focus really around the heart of the sales function, but we have strategic customer care. Uh, we've got which allows you to train anybody that's interfacing with your customers needs to understand the same thing that the salespeople understand. Right. Okay. So. Sales enablement is, in, you know, is a, it's just a t- an area that 
you have to look at your delivery people, your technicians. We've trained a lot of technicians because they're the ones that interface right. with the customer. Well, in fact, it, it, what you'll see in most organizations that are very, very successful, the five percenters, which we're going to be talking about next season, is that everybody in the company is a salesperson. Right. That's one of the characteristics. And that that's it. And that's where, I mean, I give our CEO credit. We're there. You know, I've got, I mean, sales enabled, and you may have heard now, enterprise selling. Yeah. It's for the big guys, but you know what? I always believe as a medium, small guy, we can learn from the big guys. Enterprise selling pretty much is the same thing. You know, ha- train your people that are delivering the product, installing the product, train them how to ask the right questions, train right. them how to build relationships. That's right. So I've got a lot of information. You can go to the website, uh, richmondbez, richmondbez.com. Right. And hook to me, and I could, I'd be happy to send them. The, I'll give them a hot link to these articles. I get them out of. That'd be great. In fact, I think that would be a, a really good service to provide is that if you go to richmondbizlive.com, um, go to um, the experts section, you'll see Mike Carroll uh, sitting here with the mic, and click that. It'll take you to his website and take a look at some of these articles because in season two, if you don't get sales right, you're not going to get the hockey stick growth that you're looking for. You're not going to become part of the 5% that dominate a market. Sure. And really where, where Mike's message is, is if you don't do that, you're not going to get there. Yep. And so, and with that, thanks, Mike. Thank um, you. Good seeing you again. And we're going to have a hot season talking about sales. <laughs> yeah. And so I'd recommend to everybody, if you haven't listened to season one, uh, Mike is on the odd days, um, week one, week three, week five, et cetera. Right. Get up to speed because everything he talked about is in preparation to create a sales force that's going to generate that 25 to 50 to maybe 100% growth year to year. And any any phone calls, hit the website. uh, I'll get back to you. Thanks, Mike. Good seeing you. Thank you. And we'll be back. Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for Richmond Biz Live on WLEE 990 AM. As the show's director and the managing partner for GrowthWorks, the show's main sponsor, it is a privilege to share with you over 35 years of research and application in the practice of business growth. The source of everything we do at GrowthWorks is about either, one, saving the 80% of small businesses that are barely surviving, or two, helping the 15% that are doing well and just need help figuring out what's next, or showing the 5%, the market leaders, how to sustain their hard-won advantage. Make an investment in yourself by joining us every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLE 990 AM. Let's figure out how to survive, break out, and sustain your dream. It is your best investment in the future. And we're back. Richmond Biz Live. Um, you, can, you can join the show by phone at 844-249-5483 or 844.bizlive. Or what you can do is you can go to our website. Uh, oh, no, wait. You can dial in. I just said that. 844-249-5483. I'm having one of those days today where my brain and mouth are not hooked up at the same speed. And the reason for that is our new format. One, I'm excited about... Um, our segments because we've been able to increase the length of 15 minutes. But also number two is that last um, last season we were talking about if you're in the 80% group, 
you know, you're trying to get the break even, you're trying to fix what's wrong. Uh, this season is the fun one because you say, okay, we're kind of there, but what's where's the future? And, and, and this season is about where the future is. Now, what I've done is I'm going to introduce a brand new segment, and that's going to be on customers. And because if you think about the formula that we've been promoting, and those of you that are familiar with some of the work on Balanced uh, Scorecard, is that F, financials, equals sales plus processes uh, plus customers and plus people. And so you got kind of this formula that if you're going to be successful at generating revenue, what do you have to do? You have to build products or uh, create services that people want to buy and then have a professional sales force who can sell it. You have people in your organization who are doing the right thing. And if you can do that, then the chances are you can see the financial gains. I want to take the customer service area, and let me start off by saying is that it's one of the areas that I've had a great deal of experience in over the years. I've developed a number of products. In fact, uh, I'm one of the authors of the Raving Fans product uh, that the Ken Blanchard companies had out about 15 years ago. Um, and so I've been doing a lot of research on customer service. And I'm, what I'm going to introduce today is a model that I'm going to be talking about. And by the way, I don't know we're going to call it Nuggets Magic Wand or whatever that section's going to be, and I'll come up with something here in the next uh, 12, 13 minutes, is this is available for download right now. View customer service is basically this, is a gap identification. And there are five gaps in the service chain that can occur. So let me take those gaps and let me talk about them. And like I said, I have a, a PDF that is how many pages? Seven pages long that will give you all the background on this. Gap five is the delivery gap. And the gap five is the, is the gap that the customer sees or perceives. In other words, you promise something, do they get it? And when you send it out to them, what type of people do you send? Do they feel assured? What's the, the relative quality of the product? If you don't do what you promised, how do you, how do you recover? Do they win? If you make mistakes, do you win? Those are all the areas that we typically look at as an organization. The challenge you have, on the other hand, is that that doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily fix the um, fix the service problem because if you think about it, the challenges you have number one is the factory is in front of the customer, and what I mean by that is that if we make things, you have a factory, the customer is kind of excluded from the factory, um, and so there you are. You you can kind of you can run a dirty plant, you can have disgruntled employees, etc., and nobody sees that if the product quality coming out at the end is pretty good. In the service business, on the other hand. The factory is in front of the customer. The customer actually can see and experience the services that they're receiving, the experience that they're receiving. They can experience that directly um, from the individuals that are working. And so uh, that factory in front of the customer is critical because a lot of times when you think about it, we don't pay customer service people very much money, and yet they are, in fact, our company uh, in front of the customer. The second issue here is even more difficult and more dangerous, and that is typically the customer service people didn't do it, and they can't fix it. And then on top of it, we expect them to take a beating from the customer for a situation that is not their fault and they can't do anything about, which really gets into our gap model. So what happens, number three, is that the front line tells the truth. And when the front line, the customer-facing individuals tell the truth, it is never good for the company because they say things like, well, if you think that's bad, you ought to work here. Or they talk about, well, you know, we're under, we're totally understaffed or we, um, we haven't been paying our bills so we can't get materials on time. 
I mean, I tr- tell me, uh, trust me on this. When I say to you is that if the if the customer service people are not in a good working environment where they feel as if management is helping and taking care of them, and they feel like that they can't buddy up or partner with the company, then they'll buddy up and they'll partner with the customer because why they're getting beat up and they're feeling tension. And what are they going to do? They're going to reduce their tension, and the way they're going to do it is going to tell the truth about your company. And I don't care how much money you spent on marketing and establishing brand, you could kill a million-dollar ad campaign in five minutes. And so that's the issues that we want to face. So gap five, that's what the customer experiences, the gap between what we said we were going to do and what we did, and then if we didn't do it, how did we recover? Now let me talk about the internal gaps. Gap one is a knowledge gap. In other words, is there enough information getting back and forth in the organization so that the people understand what's going on with customers, understand what's going on in the market, and so that so that the decisions that are being made are good decisions. Gap number two. Gap is how people are being led and managed. And this has to do with things like uh, uh, management's commitment to giving good service, how you do goal setting, um, the, the tasks, the, the actual tasks or jobs that you're asking people to perform, and then the feasibility, you know, asking people to give great service and not giving them any resources. Gap number three is the other side of that, just like we have been doing with owners, executive versus uh, people. And at the performance side is that, okay, um, are people in fact doing that? And what we've got to look at here is how is the work organized? How do people interact with each other? And what is the nature of the task? And there's things in here like teamwork, how well people fit the job, how well technology supports what's going on, how much control individuals have over their work. Because I can tell you right now, customer service people, if they don't have control over the solutions to fix it for the customer and they got to run it up to management, you are just wasting your time. You're chasing your tail as an organization. We take a look at how they're being led and managed. We look at the conflict in the role because a lot of times what you have is you're being told one thing and on the other hand, you're being held accountable or being paid for something else. And then the whole thing is, is the job even clear? Those are all issues related to gap three. And then gap four is what type of expectations are we creating in the marketplace? In other words, when we go out there and we brand and, and we put out our marketing advertising tools, what are we telling the customer to expect? And is that, in fact, compatible with the brand? And so the challenge and why most companies are not very good at customer service is they focus in on gap five. We don't do what we said we were going to do. And then we don't have a good recovery program. We put frontline people out there to take the beating for us. We don't support them in any way. So what do they do? They tell the customer the truth, and then we wonder why the customer thinks we're a bunch of um, we're a bunch of schlubs. They think that we basically are incompetent and don't know how to run the business. And what I want to do is I want to take you through. And part of what we're going to do this season is I'm going to take these and I'm going to break them down. And so again, gap one is how do we collect? Do we do research, which we talked about in season one? How is that research disseminated? How is it used? Gap number two is the whole owner as executive. How are we managing the function? And next week we have that uh, owner as an executive. And I can tell you that the focus in the first season was much more around production. The focus owner as executive this season is going to be around service. Gap number three has to do with the dynamics of job fit, job design. And again, if you did what Andy talked about in season one, you should be pretty good here. But we're going to take a revisit to that because what a lot of people do is they think they can engineer manufacturing, which they can, but what they but they don't believe they can manufacture, uh, they can engineer service. 
and service needs to be wired process-wise just as tightly as manufacturing does. And then finally, gap four is to take a look at all your marketing and advertising to say, what is the impression that we're creating in the marketplace? And if I don't do that, uh, and I don't look at all those other items, then what I'm going to have is frontline people dealing with disgruntled employee uh, customers, and they can't help. They take, they'll take the beating for so long, and then what they'll do is they'll turn on the customers. And what they'll do is to become buddy-buddy by saying, hey, man, I understand your problem. Yeah, this company really sucks, et cetera, et cetera. And if you don't think that's true, uh, in all the years I did customer service training uh, and worked in those companies, it was prevalent. I would walk around a store and ask questions of the frontline employees, and they didn't know who I was, and you would be surprised of some of the BS uh, that I listened to about, uh, well, this is the nature of the business and this is how it runs. And so that's the area of customer service. I will have that up and ready for you um, on uh, Monday. And so now, let me kind of get into uh, closing out what we've done this week. Uh, and this week's theme um, was to set you up for where we're going in three areas. Uh, number one is the, is the function of the, just the challenges of growth, especially fast growth has on the finances. And you've got to run a business a little bit different. You've got to have a different set of metrics. You've got the same numbers. You got the, you, you, you're, you've got the same money, but you've got to look at that money a little bit differently. And Linda talked about the difference between liquidity and capital. Um, and then what Mike talked about is the issue of building long-term relationships with people that become the trusted advisor. If you can do that, in fact, what you're going to achieve is that um, your organization, your sales force, will become part of your competitive advantage. When we looked at the five percenters, which is season three, the, the companies that are market dominators or dominators of a niche, what they all have in common is they have world-class sales forces. And that really means not only do they have world-class people, but they got the right model for selling, they've got the, they've got the right management approach, and they got the right comp plan. And when you put those together, um, your sales force can do anything. Because we're going to be talking about, at a minimum, a 25% growth per annum. And that's going to be our focus over the next um, 12 weeks. And then finally, what I did is I finished up with the, the service issue is that understand is that the only way I'm going to fix my service problems is to look at it in terms of the customer, a uh, gap five, the customer perceives that there's a gap between what we said we were going to do and what we did, that the reality is that this is an internal problem. And what we've got to do is that we've got to get, we've got to get it right inside in order to get it right on the outside. And if we don't do that, then all we're going to do is throw money at problems because the premise I had is excellent service with great margins. The issue here is pretty simple, is that great service is not giving stuff away. You don't give stuff away as part of the business. What you've got to do is you've got to make intelligent decisions, and that's where we're going to go with service. Now, next week, next week's theme. Well, we've shifted it. Um, Andy Schuick's going to be back, and we're going to be talking about Productivity. Now, productivity is his processes piece. We've changed the name of it for the for the next season because really, what we've done over the over the first season, over Andy's six sessions with you, has been to establish what you have to do to have a a company that's got processes under control, and you've got some opportunity to be the lowest cost producer. And again, not price wise, just the, you make it for less than everybody else. Now, where we're going to go is. If you're going to get anywhere from 25 to 50 to 100% growth in sales, what does that say for your manufacturing function? And it, what it says is that you, be, you 
better be able to run that organization at about 95% capacity because if you can't, you can't pull this off. And so that's where Andy's going to take it. And how do I run? How do I get to capacity? How do I run capacity? And then uh, my section owner as executive, uh, what I'm going to be talking about here is the, the whole function of how do I build a service organization? And oh, by the way, I skipped over performance. We've changed the name of people and we've changed it over to performance. So go to the website, richmondbizlive.com. All this is going to be up there. We're going to have this week's shows ready for download. And with that, I'm looking forward to a great second season and all of you with us. Wealth and prosperity to all. This is William Easton, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond, one hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week.